Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to My Millennial Property. Emily Wallace here, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing an independent property manager. It's been a hot topic in the Facebook group to bring a property manager in to talk on both sides of the fence, being a landlord and a tenant in the current environment. So I am very excited to have Emma from Vogue Property Management on board. Let's get into it. Emma, thanks for agreeing to be on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Now, first things first, let's get the lay of the land. Who are you and what do you do? So I have been a property manager for 12 years now. Um, and the last two and a half years, I have gone out on my own and opened my own boutique property management agency. So we only specialise in rentals. Awesome. And so you've really been on both sides and you've clearly had agency experience with potentially high volumes of rentals. Correct. And now you're on the boutique side of things, which is, yeah, so a vast array of experience, which is great. That's the type of person we need for these (laughs) questions. So that's good context to have. Now, as we were just chatting before we started recording, we were talking about the fact that at the moment, rentals in the current environment in the media seem to be all just doom and gloom, negative talk and you mentioned that that hasn't been your experience of late. Yeah, exactly. And one of my main goals was to be quite positive and to not have anything really negative about, you know, the industry and the vacancy rates. We are seeing it be a lot tougher. Um, However, there's plenty out there and the owners are holding tight Um, Even with all the interest rate rises, you know, if they have good guidance, they're happy to still have investments and we're seeing that move now. And in terms of the number of people coming through properties, I mean, that's obviously picked up, right? It is. There's definitely a lot more competition out there. However, it's not impossible. And I think, you know, we're talking roughly about tips and, and that sort of thing. And I think the main thing would be having cover letters. I think we're wanting to really connect with applicants a lot more, more than ever. Um, And sometimes offering more or rent in advance is definitely not the way um, to an owner's heart. We just want to know that we're going to have a good tenant in place and we're going to have a really good relationship for hopefully many years. You've made some really good points that I want to unpack a bit more. So the first thing you said there was a top tip would be a cover letter. So what should actually be in a cover letter? What strikes you when you're reading something to go, yep, they're going to be a good tenant. So you'd be surprised we hardly receive cover letters. So when we receive a cover letter, we love it. It gives us a little bit more to talk to the owner about, a little bit more for them to connect with rather than just having a document that's filled out with, you know, your previous address and your current job um, and that's really about it and some references. So a bit about you, what you like to do, you know, your hobbies, if you do have a pet um, and what that looks like, what your day-to-day really looks like. Yeah. So you're getting a bit more of a sense than just the hard cold facts of 
my previous address, my exactly. employer, phone number, all those sorts of things. And do you want to know who the person is, always, is? Exactly. And that's very important. Um, however, we do find that owners are wanting to connect with the um, renters a lot more. Now, the other thing you mentioned there was that paying a whole lot of rent up front is not the way to an owner's heart. And I want to unpack that because it's such a common thing that I'm hearing people are like, well, I'll just pay six months in advance. Now, to me, as both a tenant and a landlord, that's never made much sense to me. Yeah. But I'd love to hear why you feel it isn't. I guess every property manager will have different advice here. Yeah. Um, the advice for my clients is if I chose based on who could pay the most or who could pay the most in advance, we're not necessarily giving them the right tenant. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, they need to know that their property is being loved and looked after. And that's what is really important at the end of the day. Yeah, so money's not everything in that case. For sure, especially if you have a lot of headaches that come along with that, tenant demands, um, a tenant not being paying on time even thereafter. Um, yeah, all those sorts of things. So there's a lot that goes into, I guess, being a good tenant, right? For because sure. you're effectively taking ownership of someone else's home. It's their investment. It's they're the ones paying the mortgage and owning it and taking all the responsibility in terms of insurances and upkeep, all that sort of thing. So you don't just want anybody living in there. For sure. Do you find that investors are a little bit more emotionally involved if they've lived in the house themselves? 100%. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. And there's a lot of them, Um, you know, especially of recent, we have a lot of um, appraisals that we've been out to and the owners are either moving in with somebody or they're moving back home and having their property up for rent. So they really, really want to make sure that they have the right renter in there and that the property is going to be looked after because they do hope to come back to it at some point. Yeah, I think that's a a good thing from the tenant's perspective as well, because it's highly likely if they've lived in it already, the investor slash owner, they kind of know the quirks of the property. Maybe they could even leave them a little manual of what to expect. We love that. Who the neighbours are. (laughs) Those sorts of things. And it's it's nice. I feel like also the renter then puts uh, image or even just feels that they know the owner and they feel like they have to do right by them. Mm. Um, there's just that connection there. Yeah, I think that's really key. And my my job, the most important job of all, is balancing the two relationships. That must be so hard. I often think about property managers when problems arise in a property. Mm-hmm. It's tricky because unless the tenant's paying the rent, there's no income coming in. Yeah. But you also need the landlord to engage you to have the property in the first place to be paid. So it's kind of, I always ask the question, you know, who's the client? They're both, They're the, both the client. Yeah. They're both effectively paying. One's paying the rent, one's paying the management fee. So therefore- It's a full circle. Yeah. Everyone has to be happy. Gone are the days where the renters were looked at someone that was less than. Mm. You know, I've got a lot of renters that have given me their investment properties. So we do call them, you know, renter investors. Yes. So they rent in the areas that they wish to rent in um, that may be close to work and they own in other areas outside- of that's, the CBD, let's say. That's really common. In fact, in the My Millennial Money community, there's certainly a lot of people who are rent vesting as a strategy or they might have actually bought their first property to take benefit of the first home buyer grants and funds, lived mm-hmm. in it for 12 months and then flipped it. Yes. And I actually think they make great landlords because they know more about the property as we discussed before. Where do you think landlords kind of get it a bit wrong when it comes to things like repairs or changing tenants or what are some things that you 
wish they would do or that they wouldn't do as a landlord? I think as an owner, you have to be open-minded to maintenance. That's probably the hardest conversation to have with any owner. And I think if you are going to own an investment property or own a property at all, you do have to have a surplus of funds there just to back you in case things do go wrong. And it's not necessarily the renter that has made those things go wrong. Mm. It's life. You know, we've always got to maintain and upkeep property. So just, I guess, not being so close-minded that it is the renter's fault that this maintenance has come about. Yeah, because typically with the age of a property, things happen. Things break, repairs come up. It would happen if you were living in the property yourself anyway. But it it is sometimes mentally hard to go, it's the property, not the tenant. Yes, Or they're not causing issues. Yeah. And just off the back of that, just sort of sidestepping for a minute, what is your advice or even opinion on tenants raising issues of maintenance in their tenancy? It's going to happen. You know, I'm, I would rather people tell me what the issues are and not just hold back and then they get either worse or they're not living right. At the end of the day, they are paying rent and they do deserve to have everything working and in good order. However, I do think it's the delivery, mm-hmm. the delivery from our end to the owner, um, you know, coming to them with not just the problem but giving them a resolution, some choices, you know, it's a bit of a conversation that you've just got to have with owners and make them feel like they have a, a choice, um, which way to go, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because if you're just presenting things like, well, this needs to be fixed and it might cost you X amount or it might cost you 10 times that, we don't know. Whereas if you've gone and had the initiative of getting quotes potentially or spoken to a trusted third party who knows what to expect cost-wise, it can just make it a bit more digestible rather than letting a problem evolve. They realise why they're paying you. Yes. You know, there's that service that this is the problem, but don't worry, I've had a chat with so-and-so and and this is what we can do about it. Yeah. I think in this current environment, even to be honest, myself included, some tenants are nervous to raise issues because they don't want to almost like draw a little red flag of alert towards themselves. Be like, I exist, I am paying (laughs) rent and don't increase it. But you would say that, you need to raise issues, right? You do. And I think you've just got to keep in mind that everyone is human and that we don't, we don't want to, I mean, you can also do some things, you know, there are little things you've always got to think, um, okay, is that worth, you know, an $80 call out fee? I might just wait till there could be a few other things that may happen before I let the agent know. That is fine. Mm. Um, if it's a loose door handle, something that maybe you could do yourself yep. or your dad, <laughs> a friend, whoever Candyman. it may be. Yeah. Um, so I think also just having some understanding that, yes, you are renting, but if you can help, the help won't go unnoticed. You know, I love um, renters that email me and they'll say, look, these, just wanting to alert you of these issues. However, I've attended to this, this and this because my dad's pretty handy or my partner's pretty handy. So he's done this, but we do need some assistance with this and this. Yeah. And that's part of my job to then bring that to the table with the owner and to let them know that they have done what they can do. And then not just sitting there expecting the owner to fund it all. Yeah. They're taking initiative, showing a bit of care. Yeah. That's key. So in terms of some other questions that we had come through, so just 
a note for anyone, if this is your first podcast you're listening to of My Millennial Property, it branches off the My Millennial Money umbrella for which there is a Facebook group that I'm probably more active in it than John. I know if he listens back to this, he'll agree, but (laughs) I'm more the socials person. Um, I tag him in things. But if you have a question, always put it in the Facebook group. Just search My Millennial Money on Facebook and put hashtag property on the question. And then I go through and search to find what you are wanting to know. So on the little thread that I made this morning, there was a question around from Mitch Golding actually, comes from Mitch. And the question was, how many property owners give the property manager full control of insurances, strata payments, rates and utilities? And off the back of that, how do you pay for the outgoings if it is the property manager paying for them? So for my rent roll, it would probably be 95% of owners have us pay their outgoings for them. Um, It is a free service. So Mm -hmm. definitely ask your agent to to do that for you. It also becomes very easy come tax time. You have one end of financial year statement, you hand that to your accountant and they will love you forever. Um, And we just pay it via the rental income. So every month as that, you know, money comes in, if there is any outstanding um, bills, we, we pay it. And then if for some reason it did go drastically over, like say one month there was rates and there was maintenance and extra, do you wait for another month to come in or does the owner put money into your trust account to make it all balance? Look, that would be up to the individual agency okay, yeah. um, on how they want to operate their accounts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there's options there. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. There's a lot of ways around it um, and we can always pay from our general account and then have the reimbursement come back once the rent comes in. So you're not paying, you know, any arrears. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, Mr. Glenn James, shout out Glenn James. For those who don't know Glenn James, I mean, who doesn't? He's the uh, literal owner (laughs) of My Millennial Money, so you should know who he is. Uh, And he's come up as a top uh, contributor on the Facebook group. Glenn has asked, in a standard agency, how many properties would a manager manage? One of my properties only had an inspection as I had to ask for it to be done and the ball was dropped. Firstly, hello, Glenn. Hello, Glenn. (laughs) The most important. Um, This is a good question. Bigger agencies definitely would have been or still would be running on about 200 properties per property manager. Whoa, 200. You've got to then double that because tenant and owner. Yes. So that's nearly 400 people that would be their point of of contact. I believe that's where you get lost and it becomes the production line mentality. Um, the one of the reasons why I opened my own agency was so I could give my clients a higher level of service so that does not happen um, and they don't get lost and they're also not feeling like just a number. That's crazy. So 200 addresses or 200 properties, you've got the landlord on one side, mm-hmm. you've got the tenants, maybe multiple tenants as well if it's a share house yep. situation or something. Multiple owners. Yeah. And so... It's a lot of You contact. just must run in circles when you've got that many properties to manage. That's when you start to become a reactive property yeah. manager and not a proactive one. Yeah. Um, so you're just doing what's going to raise in that day. Yeah. Any fires that are coming at you, you're yeah. just addressing them. <laughs> yeah, fixing And the then your day's one. done and then you're back at it yeah. um, where we should be doing all the tasks from behind the scenes as well just keeping on top of our workload. So a happy number would be, and this is a great question to ask if you are interviewing agencies and property managers, um, your one 
probably 150 is a is a good number yeah for property managers to be managing Yeah. yeah great now another question uh, oh, this is a good one. Actually, we were chatting about it. It's actually come in while we've been podcasting, which is kind of okay. cool, uh, from Vanessa. And we touched on this before because it's a bit of a myth we want to bust. But Vanessa has said, if you've signed a two-year contract, and I believe this is as an owner, mm-hmm. uh, and you are unhappy with the level of communication from your property manager and what they're providing, what is the best way to deal with this? So Vanessa believes she's in a two-year contract. Look, that's the first time I've heard about a two-year locking contract. Um, general agencies won't lock you in. Mm -hmm. You may have signed a management authority um, exclusively. However, if you are unhappy, you can appoint a new agent at any point. Mm -hmm. If they do come back and fight you a bit on it, I'm sure you have a list of reasons why you are needing to leave. Um, And they may offer you a reduction in fees to try and keep you. But I think going back to what we were speaking about before is that if it doesn't feel right, if something doesn't feel right with the agent or agency that's managing your property, you can definitely appoint a new agent at any time. Don't worry about any lock-in contracts with the agency or the lease in place, we can pick up a file at any time and everything will remain the same. So you don't have to wait until the tenants moved out? Definitely not. No. Okay. And people do believe that. Yeah, I would have thought so. I mean, I guess also because on the flip side, the nature of a tenant, right? Mm -hmm. There's obviously lease breaking fees if you end the contract early on a 12 month lease, that side of things. So maybe people have that mentality of, well, it's 12 months, so it's 12 months, but no, not the case. We everything remains the same. You can imagine just coming to an agency and picking up the whole file and leaving. That's exactly what we do. And we do that on the owner's behalf. They don't need to do anything at all. So all they need to do maybe is just advise they're changing or do they even need to do that? They don't even need to do that. Oh, wow. They can ghost them. Yep, they can ghost them. (laughs) They can reject their calls. I love that. Yep. So um, that is easy. And I think the one of the number one reasons as to why Um, we get takeovers. So when we have an owner wanting to change over agencies is that they are being lost and then maybe getting an email reply a week after they've emailed them. So the service levels have have definitely dropped. And a lot of owners will say to me, oh, I've got the worst renters. Can you take over and then get them out? And actually they're perfectly fine and it's just because they've been fighting with the agent. You know, the agent hasn't been responsive to them. So if the agent is not responsive to you as the owner, the main client, imagine what the renters are feeling. Yeah, it's uh, kind of concerning that the middle person kind of dictates what the dynamic is between these two 100%. other parties. Could Because you could have a tenant and a landlord who think the worst of each other when actually it's yep. nothing to do with either of them. Exactly. It's the middleman, the property yep. manager. And we are that buffer. You know, I, I believe we should always filter what the owner says and also what the renter says. We want to always try and maintain a good relationship no matter what, even if the renter's saying things that are out of line and all the owner could be we must always filter it to the other party so there isn't conflict. Yeah, you want a harmonious arrangement. Yeah, and then that will be a good vacancy, end of lease inspection, it'll all go well. Good handover, all those sorts of things that make your life easier as well as everyone else's. (laughs) Now, we're going to take a quick break, but when I come back, I do have some more questions for you. It's certainly been a hot topic more generally in speaking to a property manager. And I think just speaking to someone who just says it how it is. So we'll be right back in a moment with some more questions for Emma. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So Emma, a few more questions for you, and I'm sure we'll go down some rabbit holes here, but let's start with this one. With the current climate that we're in, and actually just more generally, a tenant going to apply for a property to rent, how do they put their best foot forward? What are some key things they can do to ensure they're absolutely putting their best foot forward? I believe not applying for the property prior to viewing it. Um, is a good start because you do get lost if you do apply for the property before you view it. One, you may not like it. Um, And two, by law in Victoria, we cannot process your application without you viewing it first. Um, So if you do go to an open and you do love the property, definitely make yourself known to the agent, connect with the agent a bit, ask some questions. I love it when renters or I guess applicants compliment the property. (laughs) We always love that because if they truly love the property, I know that they'll be happy living there and it would be a long lasting tenancy. Um, So that's really important. And also probably secondly would be to apply straight after the open. Okay. So applying once you've viewed it in person, make sure you like it. Yes. Compliment it if you like it. (laughs) Correct. Make yourself known to the agent. They see so many people at opens. So definitely just making yourself known to them, a bit of a standout, yeah. I would say, and then apply for the property straight away. Yeah. And these days applications are typically done through realestate.com anywhere like A1, yeah. is it, or one form? One form, yeah. yeah. So they you've got the online forms there. Also, depending on the agency, they may have their own form. So they may just email you after the open. Um, that's what we do. Yeah. It's a, a form that's more personalised to what we want to know. Yeah. So make sure you're across what the procedure is for the Correct. particular agency. Yeah. Because a tenant could be going to, you know, a handful of properties on any one day and there could be different ways of doing things depending on who is managing that rental. Yes, yeah. exactly. So be across their, their preference of communication. Because a lot of people in the current environment are competing with so many others 
Is it annoying if people like call up and ask what's happening with the application or is it jog your memory or is it, what would you? This is where I do feel for renters, um, people that are applying for multiple properties and they don't know the status. Yeah. I guess the online platforms have tried to streamline that for the agents. However, at the end of the day, we still have to do the back end of, you know, sending either the rejection out or um, the approval. Yeah. Um, I think it's always good to ask that question. Yeah. You know, how how long do you think it will take to get an answer? Um, that's why I don't want to say first in best dressed. Yes. But applying straight away will make sure that you do get a response pretty quick. The owners aren't going to wait two days. No, because I assume like from a property manager's process, right, you conduct the inspection you might have a couple of hours that day, but then you go back to the office and you probably review what's happened for your day and then look at who's going to pair up with what, right? Yeah, and if it's an evening inspection, it will be the first thing in the morning. So you've got the overnight to apply. Yeah. Um, and then first thing, we start processing the applications. And when it comes to references, so some forms I've seen, they're just a written reference, you know, how, what do you score the person out of X, Y, Z for, you know, cleanliness and those sorts mm-hmm. of things. On both sides of the fence and probably more so towards the landlord side because they want to know as much as they can about the applicant, would you recommend that verbal like phone call references are done? Good old-fashioned pick up the phone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even for myself, I love giving references via the phone rather than via email. I can have a much more thorough conversation with a property manager or an owner that's managing their own property rather than just typing it in an email or rating them one to five. Yeah, it's a lot more genuine. Exactly. And you can hear the expression as well of the words and make sure you convey you that message. You feel a bit, a lot, actually not even a bit, a lot more comfortable Yeah, with your selection. Now, following on from that, um, it's popped up a few times around what makes a good property manager or what questions you should be asking of a property manager. So for a first time landlord, maybe they just bought their first investment property and they're doing selection of a property manager or they're um, a long time investor who's not happy with their current property manager, they need to ask the same questions. And what would be some of those things that you should be asking of a new property manager? I believe asking them how many properties they are managing. Yes. Um, and I think the one of the major ones when we go into a um, appraiser property is that we are appraising it, we are leasing it, and we are managing it. Where a lot of the big agencies, they will have someone that will come out to list your property and then somebody will then manage your property. Oh, so not the same person. Not the same person. Right. So they, the owner's building a connection or they're selecting the agency based on the person that has come out to appraise their property And then all of a sudden they don't know who is managing their property and they just become someone behind a computer screen that they're unsure of, do they know what I need? Mm -hmm. Do they know what my preferences are? I don't know who they are. They don't know me. Where's the connection? And how do you feel safe? You know, this is your investment property. A lot of people work very, very hard to have investment properties and I think we take it for granted because we manage investments all the time and we forget that people do work very hard to be able to achieve um, an investment portfolio. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned there about the person doing the actual uh, meeting with the landlord in the beginning and then it being handed to a property manager. Is there a title or a name for that person in the beginning? Yes. So they are called a BDM, which is an 
guess, business development manager. And they generally are looked at as a rental sales type of role where they go out and they generate listings for the business and then they hand they never manage a portfolio okay and they always hand over to then the leasing department and then your property will be managed by a property manager and so as a landlord when you have a problem you don't call the business development manager you call the property manager who you might not have ever met correct right and if I can say this when we go into appraisals owners love to go through the property and tell you everything yeah There's so much information that cannot be handed over from a new business manager to a property manager. It's impossible. And they've never probably seen the property. Yeah, I must say as a tenant, I've rocked up to inspections and the the property manager's there and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, this is my first time here as well. I guess we'll figure it out together. Or, you know, where's the switchboard to turn on the mains? Like, you probably should know these things given you're looking after this property. Definitely. Yeah, so it is concerning and I think that highlights a trait of a good property manager is someone who is the 360 role of being the first person you meet and the person you deal with through the entire process. And unfortunately, the industry um, has lost that A to Z role. Yeah. Um, however, I do feel it's coming back. Oh, okay. That's good. And I do believe it's because of the new reforms and the legislation changes that have happened, especially in Victoria. Yes. Um, that we're finding giving that level of service and care mm-hmm. is so important. Yeah. And knowing everything from start to finish is vital. Yeah. Uh, any other questions that you'd be asking a new property manager to make sure they're a good fit for you and your investment portfolio? Honestly, there's so much from behind the scenes that they are required to do and not everyone knows exactly their day to day. However, the connection, I feel you cannot go wrong. If you connect with the person that's coming in to appraise your property and you feel comfortable with them, go with them. Just trust your gut. Don't always look at the fees and that sort of thing. And it, look, I'm not saying don't negotiate fees. You can negotiate fees, but really trust with who you feel comfortable with and who you connect the most with. At the end of the day, that's, it's no longer, it's not the brand yeah. um, that really you're, you're going with. It's the person that's sitting in front of you. And I think in terms of negotiating fees, yes, that's something you can look into. And I've looked into myself as a investor, but I also know firsthand that you do get what you pay for in most situations and a more boutique agency that might have a higher fee versus a volume agency that is cheaper. They're cheap for a reason most of the time. 100%. And I guess my business model is we are a boutique, so we are at a higher fee structure. However, if you have multiple properties and wish to bring them over, we will always review fees from there. So there's always room to move. Jeremy Proctor has asked, how does a tenant formally challenge a property manager's opinion on a certain matter? For example, the state of cleanliness upon entering or finishing a tenancy or what is unacceptable or acceptable in a livable condition. So is there like a formal process that someone can go through? You can, well, VCAT, that's what VCAT is there um, for. So that's the Victorian Tribunal. Yep. However, they always ask you to have mediation so as the agent I guess you're the one that's in that situation so it might be a bit hard yeah um however I think nothing can be unresolved if you have good communication you are fine you you should be able to resolve most issues 
the act for us states it needs to be reasonably clean. Yeah. It's quite broad. The only thing would be if at the final inspection, if the property was handed to the tenant with a professional clean, Mm -hmm. it should be done yeah by them as well yeah and some rental agreements i've seen state that like you have to produce the receipt the receipts yes and even steam cleaning of carpets and and things like the renter is more than entitled to ask for the receipt when they moved in sure to make sure it's just to make sure it's been done yeah that's fair that's more than fair There was a comment here. Oh, yes, this one from Annie, which made me smile a little bit because it obviously stems from the fact that sometimes people think property managers are just doing things for the sake of it or they're trying to nitpick maybe. And I remember (laughs) a comment, I'll read Annie's in a minute, but I remember a comment on the Facebook group about um, the fact that someone had their routine inspection and the property manager gave feedback that they needed to make their bed. Um, so off the back of that, Annie said, do some agencies make it like a KPI or a requirement that a property manager has to always give the tenant one thing they need to approve upon during the rental inspections, no matter how well kept the property is? Definitely not. (laughs) I don't even really want to comment because I don't think I've got good comments on this one, but the property manager should be looking past the furniture, past laundry, whatever it may be. At the end of the day, the inspections are purely for structural, making sure that the property is in a reasonably clean condition and that there aren't any damages. Yeah. To to what exists when the person vacates, right? Like the bare bones of what's there. Exactly. Is it in good working order? Has it been well kept? Things like scuff marks on the walls is a very different matter to have you made your bed or not? 100%. So hopefully that answers your question, Annie. It would be very bizarre if someone did have a KPI around that. Now, Emma, in closing, do you have any tips or tricks that you would like to share? I would like to highlight more from a property manager's role. Yeah. I do feel since COVID and then with all the new reforms that have come out, especially in our state, Victoria, we are getting a bit lost with what the new business is coming, you know, to, to us, you know, we're looking at, oh, what's the highest rent we could get for this new listing, but we're not reviewing the rents that we currently have right. ticking over. So when leases are coming up for expiry, review the rents. It's so vital and this will help prevent a rental crisis Yeah, because owners will then start to feel that they're properties are coming up to market. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we forget how much we leased in COVID and they were COVID rents. So they well and truly need to be reviewed now. So bringing, not forgetting the current clients. Yes, we love new clients, but not forgetting the current clients. We want to keep them. We don't want them to sell on us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important from a property management role right now. Also, I guess having a bit of a positive conversation with your owners and your renters, not for it always to just be about problems and I guess issues. I know that we are always contacted (laughs) when there is an issue, but I think having a bit more of a relationship with your clients will help and it will go a long way. And I think that also helps when there are severe issues or if the and renter vacates and the owner isn't too happy, you have a few, I guess, brownie points already um, in the bank and mm. you can you can definitely work things out a lot easier. So sort of checking in just because, you know, yeah. because there's something wrong, not because there's something that's gone amiss. It's just, exactly. just checking in, just doing checking some rapport. Yeah. yeah. 
just on the note of the rental reviews for current um, tenancies that are in place, and as you mentioned, there were so many that happened in COVID that really were a discounted rent. Off the back of that, I think it's really important that current tenants understand that. And it's a real big balance. And I know that some people are feeling like the cost of living is just way too much right now. I definitely hear you and we want to try and minimise costs where we can. Of course. On the flip side, I do think you need to recognise when you did have a discounted rent in COVID and you can't expect that that's the normality moving forward. Some people did get in on some really good rates, like in terms of the rate per week they were paying. Mm-hmm. And now that they're coming up to renewal, they're being hit with an increase. $100. Yeah, 100 a week, yep. 200 a week. And a good property manager who reviews them constantly, you won't be whammed with like two years worth of increase in one hit. But I think you need to be aware that it, everything's going up. And so it would be naive to assume that your rental is just going to stay the same as it was in COVID days. Exactly. And I guess every owner is in a different situation. You know, some owners are heavily impacted by the interest rate rises and therefore the rent increase is vital. Mm-hmm. And there's some owners that have owned their properties for a very long time and they have managed to get the loan down. So it's not as important for them. Yeah. You just need to look at it both sides. Yeah, know. and that's the biggest thing, right? Like and I we feel for keep, both sides. For sure. And we want to keep <laughs> people investing. Yeah. we need. The thing is we need investors in the market or we won't have enough rental properties. And I know this is this is probably come up as a debate in the Facebook group. Uh, it already has in the past around the notion of investors buying in means less first-time buyers can get into the market. But the reality is there are some people who will be a lifelong renter or rent investor and we actually need investment properties to exist. I'm not saying there should be any element of greed in investing and cleaning up and wiping people out by any means. But for someone to have a small portfolio, you know, one or two properties here or there is actually helping people keep in the rental market uh, in some areas where it's actually not possible to afford to purchase that property. There's a massive balance. Exactly. And there are always avenues that the renters can can take. They can speak to consumer affairs and dispute a rent increase if they feel it is, they're not disputing, I guess, the rent increase as such, but they may be saying it's a bit too high and they're wanting to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where they, they they do have avenues that they co- can go down. But as a property manager, I think putting a rent increase in a bit of a love sandwich yeah, goes, love a sandwich. Long, goes a long <laughs> way. Um, you know, just explaining the owner's situation and that we do appreciate their tenancy and we hope that they can stay on. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, the rent is having to go up. Yeah. And we'll just take it from there. Just on that, one of the biggest things I think people underestimate is they look at a micro picture, not a macro picture. And by Mm -hmm. that, I mean, let's say hypothetically your rent was to go up 50 bucks a week from where it was. And you look at that over the course of a year and you then consider, okay, I can't afford the extra 50 a week. I'm going to move out and find something else. However, in that time, you have to use removalists. Mm -hmm. You may have to change furniture to downsize if you're changing your situation to fit the space. You have to do a vacate clean and you have to actually go and secure a new rental for which you need bond for and all the rest of it. So sometimes people look at just the $50 a week as the straw that breaks the camel's back, Mm -hmm. so to say. And don't get me wrong, for some people, that's just not possible. They can't. They're already living paycheck to paycheck and they cannot. However, when you look at the opportunity cost of then deciding to move on 
and potentially looking at a similar rental that you know might be the same price or just less you may not be better off because of all the costs that go into moving and people do underestimate that a fair bit uh and also to be honest the stress of trying to find another rental no one likes that no one likes to move yeah trying to minimize it as best you can is probably the ideal so don't forget to think about the macro picture when you're considering rentals now, that pretty much brings us to a close. I'm sure there'll be more questions that pop up in the Facebook group following this and maybe we do a, a part two, who knows, or <laughs> if you've uh, survived today. Um, but, you know, having a, a sense of both sides of the fence when it comes to property management, handling both the landlord and the tenant, it's a juggling act, but it's something that I think all property managers strive to get right. And it's always good to have feedback from both landlords and tenants as to what they're expecting and what's going well and what's not going so great. So don't be afraid to speak up on either side. Thank you so much for today. If you have a request for anyone in particular to jump on the show, whether it's a profession or a specific person, make sure to let uh, us know, Facebook group, Instagram, any of those avenues, and we'll be sure to get them on. But for now, thank you, Emma. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a great week ahead. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And if you're a first home buyer, I have the course just for you. Everything from pre-approval all the way through into your settlement and everything in between. How to place an offer, how to bid at auction, what to even look for at an open home and what questions to ask the agents. It's all covered in my online course. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.